0: hello everybody ella j here on behalf of WrestleZone, zone and today i'm joined by just an amazing all-around talent Veda scott how are Hi. you doing today hello i'm good i'm good i'm doing okay Yeah, you, my friend, are coming off such an amazing last couple of weeks, this whole year. To be honest, you've been absolutely everywhere lately and highly succeeding. Obviously, now you're coming off of an exciting weekend with New Japan Pro Wrestling. A couple weeks ago, you were in L.A. for a boatload of shows from Mania Weekend. So kind of starting out reflecting on some of those more recent experiences, can you tell us uh, some of the standout moments or just emotions that you're feeling based on these last few weeks?
1: Oh, I was super excited to go to LA. Well, no, I should rephrase it. I was not excited to go to LA. <laughs> LA kind of sucks. Um, it's not. It's not my vibe. But I was excited for the the week the week of events. Yeah, let's say that. Um. So last year for which I keep like calling it Mania Weekend, but first of all, it's not a weekend. Like this year, it's a I week. Left, it's I just- went week. I mean, I left, L. I. I was at LAX for like a 4 p.m. flight on Saturday. So I wasn't there for any of the mania oh, stuff. Okay. So like, I don't know. I keep calling it that because everyone calls it that, but it's it's not even that. So, but there's no better name for it. Yeah. But like last year when it was in Texas, in Dallas, um, I had the chance to, I want to say I called eight eight shows, nine shows, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I got to do a lot of stuff and work with a lot of new people. And it was, it was really, really motivating for the whole rest of the year and going into this year. So I was like, so ready for LA. I had a bunch of cool stuff lined up that I was excited for um, as well as uh, my husband, steve o. Mike Bailey was also booked for a bunch of really yeah. big matches. Uh, So we, in Dallas we he did i want to say it was nine matches uh, yeah i was
0: going to say i think it was nine in like 3 days is what yeah, it was and then
1: <laughs> and then this year in LA he did 10 in 3 yeah. days uh because they were like determined to beat that record which is now you it's no more than that we're we're, yeah. we're set um but for LA uh i had a bunch of cool stuff lined up it was a little bit different this year because uh, again Based on just how L.A. is laid out and how expensive everything is, there wasn't quite as much running, like there weren't as many like random smaller shows, which is sort of a shame because that's kind of a fun way for a lot of the um like the the more local talent to really get showcased. Uh, so next year when it's in Philly, I'm hopeful that we can get a lot more of the like East Coast talent oh, yeah. showing out. But, um, but yeah, I got to do a bunch of really cool stuff in, in LA, um, I started on Wednesday with a couple of those more, um, they were still huge shows, but they were more, they were more local-based talent in terms of, like, showcasing a lot of the SoCal talent, a lot of the West Coast talent, so it was awesome to get to work with, um, some new promotions, and, uh, yeah, I got to, uh, also call 2DDT shows, which I was really, really excited to get asked to do, um, I did emo I did the emo fight show, which I like emo, that is not my culture, but I tried my best to follow along. But yeah, it was super fun. Of course, uh Gay Brunch is like my favorite show of the yeah. year. Got to call that. Like I was so excited. I did not get to do anything like um fun or relaxing or anything the whole week, but I kind of planned it that way and I and I had a great time um so that was really cool got to work with a lot of people and then um but that was two weeks ago even though yeah. it feels like it was yesterday. i know right and then last week i got to go well i wrestled last week you did. uh i knew my husband and i uh teamed up we are bird law and uh bird law fought diana perrazzo and steve macklin this is that revolver this at revolver, this is at revolver. yeah Uh, And this was the pre-championship reign. Well, Macklin wasn't is the revolver champion, but this was pre, this was last week. So like they were, they were on the come up, but they weren't quite there. And we did, we did beat them. Um, But I got to wrestle, which is fun. And then I was out in San Francisco for two shows. And then that leads us to uh, this past weekend, which was really big for me. So I know I past
0: two weeks exactly that's just the last two weeks i like just think about it we're only four months into the year that's just two weeks alone just a small and then, when did
1: i see you i saw you uh the weekend ago? before mania okay yes yes
0: yeah so i wrestled
1: again that's you that's did like two or three
0: times i a month you did that's a lot <laughs> for you
1: <laughs> it used to be i i don't know if we'll get into this but people ask me like do you still wrestle do you not wrestle It's like well i used to wrestle like three or four matches a week yeah. uh which was like fun but I don't necessarily like um like physically want to do that anymore so I'm at a position in a position now where I'm really lucky I get to kind of pick and choose you know when I when I get in the ring and when I don't so things like I I was super excited for when when you were there that was for ESW up yeah. in Buffalo. Um, I really my opponent that night Christina Marie is someone who is just so talented so underrated I was super excited to wrestle her for like I think we said like the fifth or sixth time we're not sure and then of course like Macklin and Deanna like I'm not saying no to that any bird law matches basically I will take. Bird no. Law. Mm, okay.
0: <laughs> now, I would like you, like you alluded to, you read my mind. I was gonna bring this up later. But since we're here now, like you said, you've been slowly more focusing now on going full-time on with your on-air aspirations, but you do yes. occasionally lace up your boots, folks. So what entices you then to s- still lace up your boots? What does it take to real Veda Scott in for any in-ring appearances nowadays? Obviously, bird law entices yeah. you.
1: So, but that's that's kind of like <laughs> at the heart of it, is yeah. like I'm I wrestled for a long time because I I wanted to be involved in wrestling. Yes. I, I enjoy wrestling. Um I wrestled for a long time because it like gave me the ability to travel. And um, you know, I and, and I'm I love being in the ring, but like over time there there's aspects where like it started to feel like work yeah. and I, I don't want I don't want my job necessarily feel like work when it's something like pro wrestling yeah which is already like physical and dangerous so there's kind of been a transition for me now where i kind of wrestle when i know it's going to be fun and fun doesn't necessarily mean like just like silly and goofy but fun like you know challenging opponents or like i said teaming with with speedball is super fun we got to do that all around the world and then kind of had to put the brakes on that Mm -hmm. for a little while and they start doing that again. But yeah, I am, um, and it's also a matter of, like, I really, really love what I'm doing with commentary, and there's been, there was a period of time where I would, and I still do this sometimes, where, like, I would wrestle, you know, maybe the first match on the show and then call the rest of the show. Yeah. And and that's fun, but as I've taken on more and more responsibilities as an announcer, sometimes that's not possible for me to, like, go back and forth. Like, I have to be there the whole time. Mm-hmm. and uh, And I've, Kind of like I if you would have asked me a few years ago like will you would you do commentary full- time I would have said no and now it's like well that is what I want to do full-time and I wrestle kind of for fun but like yeah. I it's still important to me but it's yeah I, I'm I'm lucky I have like the luxury of uh being a little bit more selective
0: yeah and it I mean, you know some things you know your interest obviously you're still interested in it but kind of your I don't want to say your passion for it, but you, you have discovered kind of new loves and it's something that is kind of higher above it. Now your priorities have kind of shifted. And plus the physical toll in it too, I have to assume is definitely part of that too. Yeah. And
1: if we're like talking about like goals and, and career progression, like I have been wrestling for a minute and like, I have probably reached, you know, the, the, I accomplished pretty much everything I wanted to accomplish as a wrestler. Like, I never got into it with the goal of, like, getting signed as a wrestler because I didn't think that was possible. Uh, And now there's a lot of, like, younger and newer talent that is just so incredible that, like, for me, I I don't say compete with in, like, a negative way, but, like, I don't necessarily need to, like, for my own mental health, push me to push myself to kind of compete Mm. for yeah Yeah. compete for like something yeah yeah like compete for a spot against people who like are just starting out and like are going to achieve these huge things and I've already done in terms of in-ring wrestling so much of so much more than I ever thought possible like I've traveled the world I've gotten to like live all over the place like that's that's way more than I ever thought could possibly happen so like I'm I'm pretty content with that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that that's huge too, because not a lot of people are content or kind of satisfied with certain things in their life. And like, positive and you know just have that confidence in yourself but especially too you've gotten to live out some amazing moments and call some amazing matches I know one moment in particular really meant a lot to you this past weekend and that was calling the AEW International Championship between Orange Cassidy and Gabriel Kidd so tell me more about this experience not only calling the match but watching it and just why it meant so much to you
1: yeah that was a, a just a super cool experience because like when i talk about being content as a wrestler like i'm okay there but i'm like very very far from content and satisfied as a broadcaster yeah and i just constantly like i want to call wrestling everywhere i want to work with everybody and like when the opportunity came up um a few months ago to potentially do some stuff with new japan pro wrestling i was like are you sure? Because that doesn't seem real, uh, but it was. And uh, I I knew like as as stuff started coming together for these these shows, it was in uh, Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia, the Philadelphia one, which was uh, well, yeah, it was Sunday. I don't know when this is airing, but yeah, they, it's Monday right now. It was yeah. yesterday. It was in uh, the 2300 Arena, a place where I have wrestled probably a dozen times, but I'd never done any commentary there. Super excited, super historic. You know, I love Philadelphia, lived there for years. And as the card was coming together, originally the match was supposed to be Gabriel Kidd, who's now back uh, and, like, going harder than ever against Eddie Kingston. So it's like, okay, yeah. that's fucking cool. Like, that's great. Like, I I love, I love King. You know, I've known him maybe since before I was even a wrestler, just, like, from being around, like, the Philly scene. You
0: got injured, and then, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, due to injury he had to, you know, pull out of the match and the replacement of Orange Cassidy was like it was actually Orange Cassidy's new Japan debut, which wow. is crazy, right? Uh his New Japan debut and to defend the international title which was created for Forbidden Door but has actually never been defended in a New Japan ring. Yeah. Like so that was like really really cool. It was a historic moment and like Orange Cassidy is like a hero everywhere but in philadelphia in particular mm-hmm. people like are really are really into oc so like i'm already known this match is going to be special it's me it's ian Riccaboni, who is someone who i just like cherish the time every time i get to work with him which uh like doesn't happen so often anymore because he's he's pretty much full-time with ring of honor but he also does new japan uh in the states and alex kozlov who is so funny And I'm like, I'm so keyed up. I'm so ready to go (laughs) for this match. And I'm like, okay, but I got to, like, make sure I get all the AEW points because, obviously, Orange, you know, he has an injured hand and, like, talking about his past defenses. So I'm, like, researching that end of things. But also, I got to make sure I know all the Gabriel Kidd stuff. And then I got to call the match in front of me. So it was, like, there's a lot of, like, wheels in motion and a lot of moving parts. And it's not just a New Japan thing. This is kind of an AEW thing, too. And, uh... Everything just kind of like came together. There were all these little kids dressed up like Orange Cassidy. The crowd was going freaking nuts. It was an amazing match and like I it was a really really cool moment to be part of. So, I was pumped for that one.
0: Yeah, like and it's that great. whole the whole event, the especially the last two days with New Japan Capital Collision on Saturday and then Collision yesterday in Philly just what an amazing card and you being able to be a part of that. Was this your first time calling for New Japan? Yes, it was. Yeah, so that Um, that makes it even more special. I am, uh, like, I was really,
1: really excited when they first started to, like, do more with Stardom. Yeah. super pumped for that. You know, that was a year, year and a half ago, something like that. And, like, things started coming together. They did, you know, some crossover events. And I'm like, okay, this is really cool. This is really cool. But I never thought that I could be part of any of that. I was kind of just, this is really cool as a fan. So, yeah, it was fun. And then, uh, of course, for the uh I'm getting mixed up because it was Saturday and Sunday. Okay. The Saturday event, the DC event. Yeah. Um, it happened that a little while ago, uh, Speedball was also asked to participate in this. So that was really cool too, because I got to call, you know, a big match for Speedball who um like I always love calling their matches, but this was a little this was a little extra special because it was in a New Japan ring. Um Mike debuted he did a, a new japan show in new york once before but I, I was just hanging out at that one i didn't call it And of course he wrestled tanahashi the other week but uh but that was an impact crossover show i was off calling a ddt show i didn't even get to watch the match live and now to get to see uh them compete in the new japan ring and also get to call it with someone like ian and someone like alex like that was big too that was cool
0: yeah, and in Speedball last night again, it's the day after Rebellion. There's been a yeah. lot happening. Amazing performance by Speedball yesterday, but you were kind of talking about kind of blending together your perspective as a commentator, as a fan, as you're sitting behind the commentary booth. Whether so, whether it be on color or play by play, has there been a certain story that you've gotten to tell that you felt really that felt really compelling to you, kind of as a commentator and a fan? So. This one might be a little bit more obscure.
1: Okay. But uh, this was back when I was doing some work with AEW on Dark. And it was sort of the uh, the big collision between Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. And then Leva was involved. Yeah. And there was just like so much heart and so much passion behind this story. Just based on like the, the people involved. Um, Leva and I have been friends, like Leva was at my wedding. Leva and yeah. I have been very good friends for for many, many, many years. She is just the absolute best, and she is someone who is so creative and so passionate. But so is Brandon Cutler. so is Peter Avalon. They put so much into these characters and this story, and then finally these matches. And like you could just feel how how much creativity and how much thoughtfulness was going into it. And I feel like that for me, even though it was like, Okay, I'm a little nervous because this is, like, a big thing for me, but, like, I was mostly nervous because I, like, I want to do justice to what they're doing. And, I, and I've called, of course, like, much, quote-unquote, bigger matches, yeah. like, TV main events and pay-per-views and stuff, but but there's something to be said for a match and or a series of matches where the people involved, like, are really really invested and i think that gets the fans invested it gets the announcers invested and i think that that was just like a really special little grouping of people um and all of them are just just so passionate and so creative so although that was like a little more obscure and it was a few years ago um i was really proud to have even like the tiniest bit of a role uh in, in their journey
0: yeah, and you you talk about this creativity. I know another, you mentioned on Twitter a little while ago, one of the struggles that you were having creatively of, an example, when you pour your heart out creatively, but you still feel unfulfilled. Yes. So what exactly makes you feel fulfilled in the creative realm? Or what are you craving or needing to satisfy that feeling, you think? I
1: have no idea. Okay, fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am someone who... So, when it when it comes to like create like artistic work or creative work, um, I I really enjoy the creative process. I I get a lot of a lot of currency out of that. Uh, I get I get virtually no joy out of the finished uh, product for anything I've ever created, and that is not just like a wrestling media or anything. Um, I think I'm more of a process person than like a finished result person i think just because like i don't know how to and this is something i've talked to other people about like sometimes it's hard to like quantify like what you're getting out of the end result but like you can feel it when you're when you're doing it like when you're putting things together like that feels really good and then you couple that with the fact that like i uh don't i have a lot of trouble uh listening to my own voice um so like i'll do it or, like critical work like I'll take yeah. notes and then I'll kind of like listen to what I do and try to be really thoughtful about that but like I don't want to watch myself or see myself or or anything like that and that's like that's a me thing
0: no I get that I get that
1: <laughs> but it's a problem when yeah. like your your job is to to like be heard so like it, it gets to the like it's it gets to sometimes like ridiculous points where like if a video package comes on like a VOD, like a, a package comes on like during a show and my voice is on it, like I'll usually have to take my earpiece out.
0: Like that, that kind that level of like, that's, I understand that's though. I understand <laughs> it though, Veda. I really do. But
1: yeah, I, um, you know, I've had to, so I don't, I don't know like where, where the satisfaction comes from. And I know that sounds really sad, but it's kind of like, something that I uh, am at peace with um, that like I'm I'm probably not ever gonna be like happy with anything I produce. Um, but that's okay because I get a lot of joy out of the producing if that makes sense.
0: You know, at least if you can't be happy for yourself, just know that there's so many people that are happy for you and enjoy the work that you're doing out there. I know you shared a tweet, you shared multiple tweets, you know, about being happy to see others succeed in, like, their tweets and stuff like that. Like, honestly, when I saw, like, that you were on New Japan and just seeing your tweets of you smiling, that that warmed my heart. So, we're rooting for you. At least if you're not going to root for yourself, we're rooting for you, Veda. Just know like, that. Like I like
1: I'm okay. Like I I've, I've gotten to a place and it took work and therapy and medication. where, like I can, you know, I'm 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 really good at at pushing myself, but I'm not good at like uh like I'm not great at like I'm I'm a sort of like a a catastrophizer I guess and like if something is good then I'm it's hard sometimes to see mm-hmm. that it's kind of just hard to, it's easier to see how it will go wrong yeah uh and that's like that's now I'm just like getting very introspective but that's like a that's a thing that I like I I have to work on and I continue to try to work on and so sometimes part of that is like sitting down after an event and like I'm like oh I feel good I feel really grateful that this happened and then like someone like my husband or a friend of mine will be like okay say that like put put that into words and like be okay with that and not be like okay but what will go wrong It's like well just have a moment of and I think this is like great advice to give anybody even if you can't like process it yourself like have a moment to like be happy with how things are and not concerned with like yeah what is going to happen tomorrow that's a journey <laughs>
0: yeah and talking about your journey you know you've obviously you've gotten to work with so many figures in and outside of the ring but obviously on the broadcasting side can you kind of names name some people who have helped you or maybe empowered you through your journey to find your voice and identity behind the commentary desk
1: Oh my gosh. Uh well so I mentioned like I always I always love the chance I whenever I have the chance to work with Ian that's yeah. great. Uh because we've we've known each other for a long time and as he always points out sometimes during a broadcast we actually are from uh neighboring hometowns. So our our families knew each other. Our dads actually played music together. Like oh. we didn't know each other. We both went to we both went to college uh in New York City. Like we didn't know each other until wrestling, but like we we were on these kind of parallel paths. Um, and now we've kind of diverged in that, like, he has a wonderful family and two adorable children. And I like, couldn't raise a potato, but, but until that point, like you're we on very parallel paths. So it's always cool to like, get the chance to work with him and see that, uh, I mentioned before doing some stuff with AEW and man, I I've said this in a bunch of interviews, but I'll say it again, because I think it's like, I, I cannot understate. What a, like, master class in broadcasting those three weeks were for me, Uh particularly because I was someone who had done quite a bit of commentary in terms of, like, I had done Shimmer and, like, yeah. a bit with Ring of Honor, but it was, like, before Ring of Honor was, like, big, and a lot of it was in post-production, and when it was live, it was, like, smaller productions. It was never—it wasn't the level that AEW is at, and— even though a lot of these were, like, for YouTube or taped, it was still, like, all, like, live to tape. And uh, they the chance to sit with Tony Schiavone, with Excalibur, with Taz, and just, like, basically, like, learning on the job, like, how the fuck to do this. The And I'm talking about, like, not how to call, well, partly how to call wrestling, but, like, how to do a lot of the, like, production aspects of things that need to be constantly happening. yeah, uh, having someone in my ear on a headset uh like that was all if it wasn't new, it was not to that like level before and they are just like all so just giving and instructive and i t- I just learned so much in just a short period of time and then I was able to like gobble up that knowledge and then continue to like kind of spin that off into my own thing. And then continue to keep their tips and things in mind. Um, and they were all super positive. Like the feedback was constantly positive. But you when you're when you're calling matches with Tony Schiavone, who is like so makes it seem so effortless. And you know that there's a ton of effort and work behind it, but yes. he's just so good. And same with Excalibur and same with Taz, even when he's in like an analyst position, you're with people who are just like. They're just doing. They're, it's it's just happening, and you have no choice but to keep up. And I think that that's an environment that I I like to be in. It's it's high pressure, and I and I I think that that's that's something that that where I tend to do pretty well. Um, just it's motivating for me, uh, like a sink or swim kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I had a great experience there. Um, and then like of course they've they've expanded over time, and as they've expanded, like. Communications have happened and not happened and like on the one hand I could be frustrated about that and there's like moments where I am but also like I, I look at like the direction they've gone and who is in like certain positions and it's like yeah well I mean I also don't have you know 15 years of WWE experience like I don't have that and uh, I can see why like that is something good to have in a broadcasting position so I've I've just kind of taken that time, taken all their advice, taken all their teachings, and uh, continued to do my thing. Collect as much information as I can. Listen very, very like critically and carefully to how good wrestling announcers do things, and I think that's key. Is good wrestling announcers because it, it, you know, you talk, you hear a lot about like people who love to watch like bad wrestling, and it's like it's so entertaining. I yeah. like to watch bad wrestling, and I like to watch people mess up, and it's like. Eh, that's weird, that's not helpful Uh, and I don't know why it's funny to you to see people mess up but what, regardless, paying attention to people who are good and like just, just trying to internalize what they do is is really really helpful, like it, it seems simplistic but it really really is like when you just stop and pay attention to how people who are good at their jobs do their jobs like you can learn a lot I know it seems obvious but it's like <laughs> No, there's like a right way and a wrong way to do a lot of this stuff. And sometimes the difference is very nuanced and very subtle. And you just need to stop and pay attention to people who are very good at what they do and very successful at what they do. Um, but that kind of all spun off from that stuff with AEW. Um, I've had a lot of really great opportunities. I work with amazing broadcast partners like all over the place i'm i get to work with dave prezak on a pretty regular basis now someone who we used to do the shimmer commentary um so that's like very familiar (laughs) ground yeah i don't know like i can't point to like i don't i don't necessarily like have a mentor but like i i've been really lucky to have help from a lot of people yeah and guidance and sometimes that help and guidance (laughs) is literally just like allowing me to sit next to them and call wrestling
0: yeah and and some of that guidance can obviously be helpful and positive but some of it can also be a little weird and a a little while ago you shared some of the criticism that you've received through your work as a commentator i think just in general namely the misconception that you quote don't fit the mold of a quote traditional pro wrestling commentator so i'm curious to know your response to dare i say this ridiculous criticism and what do you think we can do as a community to change that mindset
1: uh so i i think gen, gen genuinely the only way to kind of change that perception is to change not change because change implies like swapping out but yeah, uh okay. diversify the 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 people who are in <clears throat> broadcasting positions like that that is the only way like mm-hmm. uh, you, it doesn't matter how hard, it doesn't matter, like, how good things are and how hard people are working if, like, the prevailing, like, the prevailing vibe is all one thing. And and that one thing is, like, it's good, It it's worked for a long time. I just think that now, particularly as wrestling talent is so diversified and as they're, We need to address equity in pro wrestling. And, like, I'm not a big fan of equality because I think it does not address any of the equitable issues that we have. And that's a bigger statement. But in pro wrestling in general, like, if you're looking for equality, you are still, there's a lot of marginalized people who are still not going to be addressed. And I think when we start to look at equity in wrestling, and as more and more, you know, um, just queer, marginalized people in general, are are taking the reins of wrestling promotions even if it's on an independent level and starting to get more prominent roles on television broadcasts. uh not prominent enough and not enough of them we also need to like take a larger look at uh what voices we're hearing and also like who who is who is in control here like in terms of managerial positions in terms of managerial decisions in terms of behind the scenes positions everything from coaches to agents etc like that also needs to be made a little more equitable and the thing is there's there's a lot of people out there who are extremely ready to like step into those positions all, across the board yeah and i think that there there gets to be a point where like uh it, the changes they the, the changes are kind of parallel like on the one hand on like an independent level we can we are making all of these strides and like things are getting better and better and like there is more and more representation more and more diversity and that's great if that's running on like a, on this this level but if the like the like big time wrestling is still kind of not catching up there then it's like we're we're still peaking and Not everybody wants to get signed. Not everybody wants to be on TV. Not everybody wants to, you know, main event WrestleMania. They have different Um, goals. Yeah, exactly. And but I think that the doors to quote unquote mainstream professional wrestling should not and cannot remain shut for a lot of a lot of extremely talented individuals who are overlooked because they don't they aren't what is conventionally accepted and uh like that's a problem and that's a bigger problem than than any one person but it it is a it's it's a manageable problem but like proactive steps do have to be taken yeah sometimes from the top down
0: yeah and it's working towards that hopefully you know even just life in general is still skewed one direction and oh, there's a lot of work to be done just in the world in general well, and a
1: lot of people honestly <laughs> i have i have a couple fans who don't like my voice. Who like that's like there's there's one or two uh Twitter accounts. It might yeah. it might honestly be the same person. Okay, and like anytime I'm doing any broadcast will tweet uh like please fire Veda. Her voice is horrible. I hate her voice. I have to mute the stream. And it's like, but you're watching. That seems yeah. like a choice for you. Uh but like but something like that. And I've also like I've I've learned to um I've I've you know taken time and taken advice to moderate my voice in different ways and change my inflection and change my pitch and change my tone for broadcasting. Because there are some conventions that are, there There are a lot of conventions in broadcasting, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, that are conventions for a reason and they're conventions because they work mm-hmm. Um, and they are conventions because they like do make listening easier. But then there's other conventions that are like, mm, I think it's just like that because it's like that, and maybe we can change it. So it's kind of balancing that too. And I, I've I've talked about that before, like balancing the uh, the balancing act between like trying to and this is this is not just me. This is a lot of people are dealing with this. The balancing act of trying to you know check enough of those boxes so you are you know hireable, so you are bookable if you're a wrestler, so you're someone who like people want to have on their screens or have in their ears or have in the ring or whatever your position is, but also balancing that out with being still having enough of yourself that like you don't hate what you're doing is a big part of it.
0: Yeah. And there's so many, you know, yeah, there's so many challenges and anything you do. I'm not, obviously, uh, I do commentary once a month. So if that, so I, you know, I'm still learning as I go is is a much slower rate than you, but you've gotten some great experience. I have two more questions for you. You know, we were talking about some of the Weird criticism like you've gotten for your voice or whatever, which I think you have a lovely voice, by the way, but, you know. Thank
1: you. I hate the sound of it, but I can't. Think you can't does. appease
0: everybody, I think, you know. But I think everyone but, is a
1: little eh, about the sound of their own voice, so I, I don't know. Even sometimes <laughs> that's
0: why I can't listen to myself back sometimes. But can you tell me more about some of the more helpful or constructive feedback that you've gotten from your commentary work?
1: Yeah, um so something that I uh work really really hard at is uh preparation going into any commentary gig. Um and I I think that that is uh, on the one hand it's like it's a safety net for me. Like I I am a person who like I I am very comforted by information. Yeah. Like the the more that I know about something or the more that I like I can retain about something, like the better I feel about it. Um so I think that's helpful for me if I'm going to call a wrestling show. I want to just, like, know as much as I can about the promotion, about I'll, I'll watch as much as I can to get into it, learn as much as I can about the wrestlers. And that's that's partly for me because, like, that preparing or some might say over-preparing is, is like, a very just part of my process. Yeah. But I think that the reason it's – the biggest reason it's so important is because, like, the announcers are – they're narrating this story, but they're just one part of what's going on. And it I, I have a big problem with bad wrestling commentary that's bad because it's like not mindful or not thoughtful or not well researched or kind of just disrespectful to the the people in the ring who are like literally risking their lives and and, and some of this I get from a wrestling pers- a wrestler's perspective. Of, like, I've had matches that I was happy with. Like, I was coming out of it. I'm like, I'm feeling good. That was fun. Yeah. And then I go to watch it back, and the commentary is, like, fucking dog shit. Like, it's just, it's disrespectful, or it's, like, unprepared, or, like, they don't know what's going on, or they don't care. And it... it. It makes the footage unusable. It makes me feel bad about my work. And that's me from a wrestler's perspective. And I'm like, okay, I can extrapolate that to every single performer. Yeah. And it and it just, like, the least that I can do as an announcer is, is care about the wrestling I'm calling. From, like, a self-preservation perspective, yes, but on a bigger level, like, because of the people that are in the ring and it's like it's my job to at the bare minimum like respect what they do and care about what they do and so the best feedback that I ever get is when a wrestler says uh either they watched a match back and they were really happy with the commentary and I got what they were trying to do and I like told their story or I have some wrestlers who specifically ask me to call their matches. Like if we're on a show together and sometimes commentary rotates or if they have a big match coming up, they'll request that I'm there to call it. And that is like, that means so much more than any, like, like contract ever could Honestly, like It's so like, because that, that is like the actual, what it boils down to is like, I'm narrating a story that's being told and that story is being told very physically and sometimes very dangerously. And like, I think that you can take this and and extend it to all aspects of life but i think that the one thing that is missing from a lot of everything is is care and when you care about what you're doing when you put thoughtfulness and mindfulness into what you're doing um everybody benefits from that so i think that like the number one bit of like feedback and advice that i have gotten as an announcer is like just make sure you you care like make sure that you you take this series and you care and like taking it seriously doesn't necessarily mean like being like boring or robotic or anything but it just it does mean like respecting your broadcast colleagues respecting what is happening in the ring and i think that like you can apply that to any part of life but like you need to take a moment and like and really care. And if you don't care, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing that you're doing. And I think that's, that's, that's good advice too. No. I've, it took me a while to, to get to that point in general where it's like, there's things where I'm like, I don't care about this at all. Like I don't. And, and it's like, well, then why am I spending my very, very short time like doing that? So I don't know. But yeah, the the best feedback I've gotten has not even been like practical, like nuts and bolts, like how yeah. to call a wrestling match. It's been, uh, people who are pleased with my work on their work. And like, man,
0: you can't, it doesn't get better than that. I know that that's <laughs> such, a, such a high compliment to when people like go out of your way. That's when you know you're good, Veda. I'm going to try to convince I care, you. I care a lot. <laughs> you I, do, you do. I
1: care a lot. And like, I think that caring a lot about like, it could go, you can go too far with that. Like when you care too much, then like, yeah. just you're constantly on the edge of just like crumbling yeah then you're like but,
0: overthinking
1: yeah, yeah yeah but I think that like if you want to make something like I'm really lucky and and I'm sure you will agree with this too because I know you've undertaken your own journey recently into just full-time content creation if you are we're really lucky to have jobs and have passions that we care about because there are a lot of people who like they have their employment and they don't particularly care about it one way or another. And sometimes that's okay. Like sometimes just showing up like punching the clock and then like oh. having your the rest of your life and like your family or whatever, like that that's fine. That's healthy if that's your balance. Um, and then there's other people I friends I have who absolutely just hate what they do. They hate it. They they either hate it or they don't care. And and people like us are really, really fortunate to have an enterprise that we are able to do that we really care about and and I, I try to let that be at the forefront of my mindfulness all the time that like things like it's not like oh well things could be a lot worse blah, blah blah. it's like no everything that I feel and everything that you feel is valid when you're having bad times with work or bad days with work but I think it's also important for me to remember that like right now in my life I have this thing that I get to do uh that I really, really care about. And there may come a day where I don't care anymore and then I need to find a new thing to yeah. do. And I hope I, I, hope when that moment comes, if that moment comes that I recognize it and pull myself out. But yeah, that's kind of like just sort of staying on top of yourself. But yeah, I think care
0: is very important in mm-hmm. terms of anything. Oh, I I can relate to that completely. But to close things out, I kind of wanted to talk about something really random, but I'm genuinely fascinated because I have this same problem and it's collecting storage containers. (laughs) You said on Twitter earlier this year, quote, it's a sickness. I love taking big piles of things and sorting them into lots of smaller containers. So I have a fully organized yet somehow still unmanageable collection of totes. I'll never stop. I I literally have- i, literally have Ella, so I just up.
1: built a shoe rack i just built a <laughs> shoe rack and it's not even just a shoe rack it's the second level to a shoe rack like it's a stackable one yes. and i just did it and now i'm just gonna buy i'm gonna put more shoes on it my husband and i have like a, a fairly extensive shoe collection and and <sighs> like we just keep adding levels to this thing and it just means that we get more shoes and it's it's bad like you the more i like to have everything organized and stored but once that's done, I'm like, okay, everything looks great. More stuff, and um, I, I like, I don't, I don't have it in me to like be a minimalist. I think I, w- I would like to be. You should that see is my room very right now. Yeah, for me, <laughs> uh, like my, when we talk about like I'm building the shoe rack and, and speedball and everything, and, and yeah. Mike is someone who, uh, is, especially in the like five years when he was unable to come to the United States, like spent a lot of time. Living in Japan, like, living yeah. in the dojo, living in these little apartments, living in, like, wherever, like, random bedrooms, random closets, and, like, is an extreme minimalist when it comes to that, like, would be happy with just, like, a blanket on the floor, and so <laughs> balancing that is sometimes difficult, Um but yeah, like, I don't know, I just, I like, I love organ, I love... Office supplies,
0: I know you feel me on this. Oh, you- I have so many notebooks, it's so bad. I have a whole storage bin of stationery and notebooks, (laughs) But Like, my-
1: my latest thing that I'm loving is, like, manila folders that aren't manila. They're, like, they're colored. Yeah. So I've got these piles of colors, um don't get me started on accordion binders there's like 20 of them around me there's tabs everywhere highlighters right next to me is our master whiteboard you know that we funny? run our lives
0: off just of just whiteboard. behind me alone i have three containers of pens and markers
1: yeah it's a mess it's a mess because like all of these organizational supplies are yeah. not helping keep things organized no just keep acquiring them yeah but yeah, I don't know. I don't
0: know. I literally have the same problem, especially especially with stationery. Like, I literally have a storage bin of stationery.
1: But do I ever have a notebook when I need it? No, no. I don't. <laughs> literally yesterday in Philly, I was like, "Huh, I wish I had some. I, I oh, usually keep a notebook with me, but I took oh, it out funny. of my backpack. I wish I had some paper. Yeah, I took it out of my backpack and I put it in the pile of other notebooks. And now yeah. it's just sitting at home. That's yeah, so I don't funny. know. I don't think it can be cured.
0: No. It it's like you just keep accruing more and then half the time you don't use the stuff. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm we Mike and I are are currently we're we're in the process of moving and we're, we're you know we're okay. we're hunting right now yeah and we're like looking at space and I'm like we don't really need much space because yeah. you know it's it's just the two of us we it's just us like we we're moving away from like roommates and things mm-hmm. like it's, this is this is just gonna be us and we're like yeah but we need like one room for streaming and like our our content and stuff I'm like that's great it's like yeah but where am I gonna put all all my other stuff because right now we're in this like very temporary situation. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we are about to settle. Like it's gonna be, this is us. And it's like, how will I want, like how, how much space do we actually need? Because right now we're in a very small space with a lot of things in storage, in storage containers and it's like if I unleash all of these storage containers, like oh, it's gonna we, be No, no, it needs to be yeah. <laughs> so
0: I don't know. I, I don't think it can be cured. I think it's, a, I, I it's get that. Be a problem. You literally if you saw my room right now, I get you, Veda. I get you. <laughs>
1: Stuff oh, uh, these I uh, just new thank you cards. I just I
0: love a thank you.
1: I love a thank you card. Okay.
0: That is our Christmas cards. The love variety them. packs, the cute ones. Etsy is my weakness. Like I, I,
1: I have the aspirational life of someone who has like who's like, like an Instagram mommy with like. 12 beige children in like all of their neutral colors and like yeah. all of their like golden doodles and like all their cards and stuff like that in my head is like what i th- i'm thinking of i think when i'm buying all these cards but like no that's not my it's life so that I. is not my aesthetic it's not ever gonna ha- it's- that's not mm-hmm. what i want it's mm-hmm. just if you looked
0: that's what you would think yeah. i don't know it's a mess no i have an assortment of birthday <laughs> cards thank you cards christmas cards halloween cards I got you. I, my mother my no mother idea. is the same
1: way. I like if I my mother at any at any period of time like if I throughout my life like if I was like, "Hey, mom, um do you have a an Arbor Day card cuz I need to send an Arbor Day card, yeah. but like it's specifically to like a third grade teacher." She's like, "Oh, let me just get my file for third grade teacher Arbor Day cards." Like that's how my mom is. So I, I think that's where that. I get it from.
0: Maybe. I love that. I'm glad that we have this same problem and we will never stop. Like you said, maybe, maybe you might have to, if you're moving to a smaller place, but for now we're not stopping.
1: <laughs> I just, I just rolled some t-shirts too. They're about to go in a tote. So.
0: Okay. There then you go. You
1: roll the t-shirts and you put them in a tote, then you have a box. You do. You got a box
0: for storage too. You do. You do. That's bad. But we wish you luck, obviously, with moving and everything. Veda, before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you on your socials and Twitch, of course? Yes.
1: Uh, so on Twitter, I am at it's Veda time, uh, and I'm still using Twitter quite a bit for now. So let's stick with that. I kind of link everything off of my Twitter for now as well. Um, I do have a, I do Twitch stream. I haven't been doing a lot of it lately because I've been You're so traveling busy. a lot, and I've talked about us like packing and things like that. But uh, I do have a, a twitch it's twitch.tv slash beta Scott. Um, and yeah, uh, that's like the main things for me. Um, I have a youtube channel youtube.com slash Scott one. Uh, but all of that is kind of linked off of my I have a link tree on my Twitter and uh, my Instagram, so everything's kind of off of there. So I always tell people to start with the Twitter.
0: Veda, thank you so much for joining me here today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. You've been doing so many cool things recently. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.